Hey everybody and welcome to the Amateur Philosophers Club where two of your familiar uh, neighborhood priests dive into some of the big questions in life and the important ideas because of what an impact they have on our lives because we believe just as Socrates believed that the unexamined life is not worth living. My name is Father Richard Stonia and I'm here with Father Denise Williamson and today we're going to be diving into the mystery and the nature of knowing. How is it that we know things and what is specific or, or um, unique about the way that the human person knows things? But before we dive into this, this fascinating topic, uh, this is a really um, exciting and interesting and important episode. Um, Father Denise, how are you doing? Hey, Father Richard. Which is also important and, and maybe not exciting, but at least important. <laughs> I've got to say, one of the, 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 the cool things about uh, doing this podcast with you is that uh, getting to know you better by oh, yeah. the way through uh, <laughs> from that. Yeah, that's really cool. Well, yeah, no, likewise, man. I, I enjoy the engagement. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm getting also more used to how... Um, how you how you look at things and the way that you understand things, um, which I think is helpful. Hopefully, we have a different way of of knowing things and explaining things and understanding things that that actually that helps people when they listen to it. That maybe if they don't under, understand the way I explain something, they'll understand the way you explain something, and and vice versa. Because I think as we're going to see, uh, knowledge is both objective and subjective. <laughs> But it depends Both. on how you understand those terms. Right. <laughs> Define your terms. Define this, your terms. This was a big thing for, for Socrates. He, he always wanted to make sure before we, before we start talking about what we think things are, um, we have to know what we mean when we say those things. <laughs> well, speaking of which, maybe it's, we can just remind our listeners that last episode we started a new section yeah. in our journey of philosophy um, in which we're going to be looking at the mystery of man, yeah. who he is. Yeah. And... We started this section by making a claim that is a bit maybe provocative today and maybe yeah. even a bit like offensive to, yeah, some, to some to some that man is a unique being in this world because he possesses um, a whole range of powers and activities that have no parallel yeah. in, in the physical world. Yeah. And we said that these two powers are the power of reason mm. and the power of free will. Mm. In other words, our power to know things and our power to make free choices, free and responsible choices. Yeah. Now, in this episode, we want to uh, examine that a bit further, yeah. in more detail. Specifically, the first power, this power of reason. What does it mean to know? Yeah. Uh, and we want to go into that a little bit. Sound good? Yeah, it sounds awesome. And I think a, a good way to almost dispose ourselves to this lesson is is to remember the, the just the wonder of this, you know, it's like not that we're okay, we're learning different different facts or we're learning different um, ways that people have have understood the human person and things like that. But no, the human person is like is a mystery and a marvel. You know, when we start looking closely at these these abilities that 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 man has, the like what like knowing is and what uh, willing is, um, they are. They're, they're marvelous mysteries, you know, and that's, I think that's part of what philosophy is, if not the primary thing of philosophy, is contemplating and getting to know clearer these, these fantastic mysteries. So the one we're going to be looking at is knowing and maybe a, what, um, a way to sort of to, to look at that is when we say knowing, we're not talking about knowing facts, you know, having a, a great knowledge of, of things. Um, but the, the very power that we have to know the world around us. That's such a great point, Father Richard. And I really, I can't emphasize that enough as well. We want to step back 
like put aside all arguments and controversies and politics and stuff. We just want to step back and look at this amazing power of knowing. And I think the best way to frame our discussion is to to think of knowing as a kind of communication. Okay. In other words, to think of this power of knowing things as a kind of entering into relation with yeah. the world. Yeah. Okay. I, I um we've spoken about this before, you know, and I, I almost I think communication is it it does help that like but there's something about communication that also implies like um equality, you know, that like Oh like it's two way. It's two way. Yeah. Whereas um so maybe it's just that aspect of communication that's that's like that interaction or that coming into contact with the world. That's a, okay. I'm ha- really happy with that. Those are those are two great terms there. So knowledge is a kind of interaction, or it's a kind of mm. coming into contact with the world, with the world around us. And in fact, the author of the book we're looking at, um, Daniel Sullivan, when he, that's that is one of the ways that he describes the uniqueness of of knowing, is is in terms of contact with the world. And he he contrasts it, or he compares it with the different um, the different ways that different things other things in 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 the world have contact with the world around them so, so let's let's take yeah, a look at them let's right? go let's go through that sort of hierarchy of things and show why it's a hierarchy um in terms of this very aspect this aspect of being in contact with the world around us like starting with the most simple things um like the minerals like rocks um and those kind of things like what kind of contact do they have with the world around them and we'll move up from there so we see like in our physical world um Everything is in is in movement and change. Yeah, and so, uh, like one of the most characteristic things is that different things will come into contact with other things. Yeah, and this happens all the time. Yeah, right. Um, chemical reactions, particles bouncing against other particles. Yeah, asteroids crashing into planets. Yeah, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, right. Things are in motion and they they bump up against each other and they come into contact. Yeah, but like this this kind of contact that we're talking about is a like it's a pretty insignificant and momentary uh, contact because mm. they they bump into each other and then that's it then they go on their way maybe mm. something is deviated of course so the interaction they have is pretty minimal and superficial yeah okay superficial um in terms of just to do with the surface of the thing yeah. so for example if we look at it from the perspective of the rock like if we say okay here's rock and he he has he has contact with another rock the contact that they have is it has an effect on him but it it's um it's only on the surface it's a physical there's that the only contact he has with the with the world around him or with another rock is is a physical contact so we can so what we're saying is that the possibilities that our poor rock has of interacting with this great universe are fairly limited are limited and okay. physical and superficial and superficial and look okay there are there are other kinds of contact too, which inanimate yeah. things uh, can have. For example, we see that elements when they come together form compounds. Um, yeah. So let's take hydrogen and oxygen. If mm-hmm. they come into contact with one another, not only is there like a coming close to each mm-hmm. other, but they also happen to interact to form a new substance, a new thing, water, yeah. H two O. Yeah. And that's already a new and higher kind of mm. contact because what's happening here is not just a mere physical. Uh, approaching mm. but they come together to form a new thing mm. because out of this union you have water you have a new thing yeah right? but uh, but already what you see in this kind of contact this new interaction is that the water sorry the hydrogen and the oxygen 
cease to be. Yeah. Right. So in this new contact, they they are kind of destroyed, and a third thing comes into being. Mm. Okay, the only contact that that inanimate things have with the world is physical and on the surface of them, unless they actually merge with the thing. But when they merge with the thing, they they lose their own identity and they become they become a third thing. So that that kind of con- that's an interesting kind of contact because you risk losing your identity as yeah. a as a yeah. But it's a possibility, right? Yeah. But look, there are even more kinds of contact that we see amongst the plants mm-hmm. like the the lowest living forms yeah because in addition to all these physical kinds of possibilities of contact that mm-hmm. we've mentioned plants have a, another way of entering in relation with the world around them and that is through the power of assimilation okay in other words their power to nourish themselves to to feed themselves okay right because like when a plant puts its roots in the ground and it's like sucks in all the nutrients and stuff it's t- it's interacting with its world yeah okay and it's taking in all these elements and nutrients and the cool thing is um it's taking in these things and it's breaking them down Mm -hmm. to feed itself yeah right so the plant has the power of like taking in these things receiving these things breaking them down uh, again like Mm -hmm. we're saying so that they, they lose their identity but the plant doesn't lose its identity yeah the plant remains the same the plant remains the same but it can use the things around it to keep itself itself. So that's like a different kind of contact it has with reality, that it can take reality into itself whilst remaining itself. Now, this this may be really weird to, th- <laughs> to think about it this way, right? I mean, I'm sure very few, hardly if any of us have ever thought of, you know, a plant nourishing itself as a kind of entering into relation with yeah. the world. But it's true. Yeah. It, it has is a kind of interaction and a different kind of contact with the world because it because it remains itself. In fact, it becomes more itself by having this this contact. But that's it, what uh, it that's, assimilates. Yeah. It assimilates the lower things into itself, so it can become more itself, and it remains itself in this in this kind of contact, which which is a new kind of contact. So it, it shows how it's a more complex and a higher kind of thing because it's it's not only does it have the kind of contact that a rock can have with its surroundings but it has this new kind of contact which is to assimilate a thing into itself without um without the thing itself changing so can you say that uh compared to our poor rock over here the plant has like a broader horizon like a a greater range of possibilities because it's got a different kind of contact with with the world around it but let's be honest also that our poor plant uh is also pretty limited, yeah. Because he also he leads a pretty lonely and isolated life, if you think about it. Because his possibility of interacting with the world is limited to what is physically immediately around him. Mm. I don't know why we're speaking of plants and rocks as as having as personality him. <laughs> as hymns. Maybe we should just say it. it. <laughs> um, but it's true, right? The plant can only react or interact with. What's immediately immediately around immediately it. around right. It, right the grass the ground the and air around it okay. and there that's where we start seeing also the difference between plants and and animals because animals have all of those other things okay right? an animal is a physical thing it comes into contact with other physical things um, and um, but it also can assimilate other things by by when it eats right so it, it absorbs things into itself through through eating so without changing. Yeah. Uh, without becoming another thing of course it changes but it doesn't become another thing it still remains the animal but then it's got it's got um another way of coming into contact with the world that is higher than the than the, the than the plants will you explain that to us yeah because animals can sense yeah so animals have the power of sight of touch of smell of hearing 
Mm. And that's amazing mm. because an animal can now interact with something at a distance, right? Like yes. A lion can see mm. the impala. Or smell. Or smell it, <laughs> yeah. you know, 50 or 100 meters away. <clears throat> right? And so it's, it, it's, it may sound weird to say, but it's like entering into relation yeah. with the world around it at a distance yeah. with that impala. Which, has it, which is a kind of contact that the plant doesn't have. This kind of contact from afar which is the contact through through senses, which is still, it's funny because it's a physical contact. You know, when we think of senses, we think of touch, which is like immediately physical. Um, but the senses like sight and smell, although, I mean, there's particles or there, there's light that's reflecting on our, our sense organs, it's still like physical, it's at a distance. And it's a, a contact with the world that the plant doesn't have and that the animal does have, and which combined with, with its other qualities, like its instincts and its appetites, it then reacts to the world based on what it it perceives around us. So you with animals the horizon the horizon is broadened even more yeah. than plants, right? They have more possibilities, mm. more ways of mm. interacting with the world. So and they're more complex, right? So they're higher, they can assimilate more things because animals also eat plants. Yes. We can point out, right? <laughs> and true. eat other animals. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's almost like the, and we see also the link of the hierarchy there, you know, like how the plants absorb the minerals so, and, the, and the animals absorb the, the plants. The, the plants. Um, wow. But anyway, that's not the point of what we're looking at because we're looking at the contact that these different things have with the world and we see how, how that contact becomes more complex and broader and, um, yeah, more and higher. And so now we come to the, the next step is the, is the the step about this episode (laughs) it's like okay then what what contact does man have with the world that because man's contact with the world also includes a physical contact with the world a um an assimilating contact with the world we also eat to to and then uh we don't we still remain ourselves a sense perception of the world so we can perceive things using our our um smell taste sight um touch and the other one <laughs> what did i miss out hearing hearing there we go um we can still we can perceive things from far away with those but then man has another kind of contact with the world that 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 suggests to us a, a higher kind of of being yeah and this is the power of knowing because when we know something mm. like when i look at a tree and i know that it's a tree yes i look at an animal and know that it's an animal i look at you and i know that you are you um, I am receiving not just, let's say, your color yeah. or your smell or your shape or or your sound, right, into me like an animal does, but I'm able to go beyond those, penetrate through those and receive your very inner reality yeah, and know you, right? It may not be so. It's maybe not such a good example to use, like you as a person, because but because th- there's a there's a interpersonal relationship. Yeah. Okay. Scrap that. Use, let's go back to our, our tree. Okay. When yeah. I look at that tree, I'm able to receive the inner reality of that tree, like what it is as a tree yes. into myself and to know what a tree is and to know that that is a tree. A tree. Right? Yeah. I, I, maybe if, I guess that helps us to understand, you know, our episode about Aristotle when we said that Aristotle discovered, and I loved, by the way, in that episode, how you always spoke about um, how he discovered this, right? That it's something that, <laughs> that exists in reality rather than like he... Um, he theorized. Or he interpreted 
the world according to but he discovered something about reality but th- there's actually something in in what we're saying now that that suggests that this is actually a discovery about reality rather than an interpretation of mm. reality but that that he saw that things are made up they're composed of their matter which makes it makes it this thing right here and the form which is its its inner reality the the whole of the thing right we've said often that a whole is greater than the sum of its parts so if, if um, an apple is not just all of the different things that make up an apple, there's something about the apple that's, that's that it. makes it to be this whole apple. This yeah. whole apple. And the, the maybe help me to give a precise definition of matter and form. So, yeah, the, the matter is that which makes it this particular concrete apple here yeah. as opposed to that apple there. Yeah. And the form is the principle which makes it to be an apple mm. as opposed to an orange mm. or a banana. And when we know things... So, so matter yeah. is the principle of individuation yes. of the thing. And form is the constitutive principle of the identity the of identity the of the thing. And, yeah. Okay. And that when we know the thing, we know its form. Or we so let's say we know it through its form. Because we know the thing okay. and we know it through its form. Yeah. And this is the distinctiveness of human knowing. Yeah. Is that we are able to receive the forms of things... Yeah. So that we can know their very nature. Yeah. Whereas like an animal or just our sense knowledge has to do with its particular instantiation. Yeah, right, Could you exactly. say with the with the matter of the thing? So they're receiving the forms of things, but they're they're receiving the sensible, their sensible form. form. So they receive this color, yeah. this smell, this yeah. sound, and mm. so forth. Now we receive those too because we yes. have senses. Yeah. But in addition to that, mm. we can receive the very substantial form of the thing. What makes it to be this kind of thing? So I, when I, when I, when I know the form, uh, when I know the thing uh, through its form, and I develop in my mind, and I, I, or I conceive in my mind an idea of the thing, that is a way of knowing the thing that goes beyond what I can know about it just through my senses. Through my senses, absolutely. That shows us the, the uniqueness of man that we have that we have this power. This power, this, of, this way of receiving things that yeah. that that other uh, other creatures, other beings don't have. Yeah. This 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 new way of entering into relation with the world, that we can receive the forms of things. And there's right? yeah, there's something interesting there about the the immateriality of this of this process. Like for example, if you um, when a plant absorbs nutrients and it still remains itself, there's a physical interaction that happens there. Right. There's a change that happens to the thing it's absorbing and a change yeah. that happens to the plant, even though the plant still remains itself. Correct. Or when an animal eats something. Right. Um, but when when we when we know something, um, for example, if I see before me um, like a, a, a delicious prego roll. Right. I can I can I can. And I let's say when I eat the prego roll, the prego roll disappears it ceases, ceases to, to be it's broken down it's broken down and Digested it's assimilated and becomes you becomes me it's assimilated into me prager roll becomes father richard right um that is a true and accurate <laughs> statement yeah um, um it's almost lunchtime i'm getting hungry now. <laughs> you can see what's on your mind <laughs> um and so when prager roll becomes becomes me i assimilated into me there's a change there's a physical change in both in both of us but when I'm just looking at the prego roll be- before me, and I know, I, and I perceive it with all my senses, oh, it smells good, and um, and you know it, but I also know what it is in terms of its what a what a prego roll is. 
um, as a universal. And I know prego roll and not like I don't know, so broccoli and cauliflower. Yeah, or any other kind of any other kind of food. It's like okay, this this prego roll right here. But that 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 process of knowing the thing, I like. I assimilate the thing in my mind. Like I, it starts. You take it into your I mind. I take it into my you mind. You receive it. Yeah, I receive. I'm like have this contact with the thing that's purely mental. That's that I've got now like an idea of the thing, and not just the fact that I'm seeing the thing, but I have an idea of the thing that's in my mind that doesn't change the thing itself. So there's a change that wow. happens in me because I now have the idea of this prego roll right here. Right, I've sensed it with my with my senses, and I've abstracted its form. We'll speak about abstraction, in fact, in, in next week's episode. But I've I I know it's I know what this uh, Prager roll is. Knowing it has created this idea of both Prager roll and this Prager roll in my mind. So I've got this new thing. I've got these new ideas, these concepts in my mind, which have changed me, not in a physical way. Like I haven't eaten the thing yet it hasn't changed me in a physical way only in an intellectual way and it hasn't changed the thing wow is that a way of understanding knowing why knowing is different is a way of assimilating but immaterially like it's an immaterial assimilation of things so i take the thing into into myself in some way um but the thing hasn't changed and i don't change physically but the thing really does exist now in a different way in my mind because i've got the idea of it in my mind because i can I can know the form of it. Correct me if I'm wrong here. Um, because the, 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 the form is in the thing, right? It's one of the principal constituents of the thing. Everything is made up of matter and form. Mm-hmm. When I know, I know um, the sensible forms through my senses, but I also know the form of the thing through my intellect. Mm-hmm. And when I, in my mind, I, so I've now got the form of the thing in my mind. Right, so there's some way that the form of the thing is in the thing, and it's in my mind. And you're saying that the the the, the prego is in your mind because you have an idea of it, and your idea, your mind is in you. Right? Yes, um, form exists in the thing, and form exists in my mind in the in the as an idea of the thing. Is is that an accurate I, way of? I'm just trying to ex- explain how I can know the thing. The thing doesn't change, and it actually exists. Something of the thing exists now in my mind, and the thing that exists in my mind and in the thing is its form. Is that accurate? The same, I think so too. Yeah, okay. I can say that um, one in the same form exists individually yeah. or in, uh, individually in the thing and universally in the mind. Okay. So when I know something yeah. with my mind, I give it a new intentional existence. Yeah. And by intentional here, I mean inside the mind. Yeah. In other words, the things that are that exist outside of the world really exist. Mm-hmm. And when I know them, I when I come into contact with them by knowing them, I give them in my act of knowing them, mm-hmm. I am giving them a new existence in my mind. A new okay. And it's one and the same thing. Yes. That is outside my mind and in my mind. Yeah. In virtue of which I say I know them. Yeah. Just that the way they exist in my mind now is different to the way they exist out there. Yeah. Because what exists out there are individual pragos, mm. individual apples, individual trees. But what exists in my mind are the concepts of these things, mm. which are universal. Hmm. Apple, prego, tree, mm-hmm. or appleness, pragoness, whatever that is. Yeah. And treeness, yes. so to speak. We can say so just following on that on yeah, that yeah, train yeah. of thought there, that the human mind is able to rise above the material conditions of things mm-hmm. and able to know them. And, and the this particular is, instantiations. And the particular instantiations. So knowledge is receiving the form of something else. 
That's amazing. Because, and what, what, like you said there, is when you receive the form of something else, that thing hasn't changed, but it has come to be in a new way because it's come to be in your mind. Uh, what did you say? Inten- it's intentional existence? Intentional existence and, let's say, physical existence. Okay, so that's the, the two kinds of existence that you actually bring a thing into existence when you know it. In a, in a way that is different to the way it exists out there. It exists now in intentional in, in its, its intentional existence. Now, this, this is interesting, like, um, because St. Thomas says a really interesting thing that's hard to get one's head around. <laughs> um, you will be able to say it better than I can, you know, that when, when you know something, you know it as knowing something as knowing something as other. How, how, what, how, what's that quote? Right, so um, we're talking about knowledge as receiving the form yeah. of something okay and saint thomas says and when you receive that form it comes into a new kind of existence it it's birthed into a new existence there's in your the mind conceive the idea you conceive the idea so knowledge in its broadest sense yeah. is receiving the form of something mm-hmm. even becoming the other thing as other to know is to be something as other to know is yeah. to be the other as other. As other. See, that's it's hard to get your head around, but I be, because it's so broad yeah. this definition and so holistic. It's mm. not. It's it's forces us to really step back and marvel at this <laughs> like this mystery of just being able to know things. Mm. Right? When I know a tree, mm-hmm. when I look at it and I know, oh, that's a tree there. Right? I'm I am entering into relation with it. Yeah. There is a communication that is going on, yeah. an interaction. I am becoming that tree because I have this concept of tree now in my mind. Yeah. Okay. But I don't literally become the tree. It's not like the tree like fly, you know, uproots itself and flies into my mind. So when you say becoming the tree, it's because the tree starts existing in you. The tree starts existing in me. Yeah. In my act of knowing it. Mm. That d- did not happen and now it is happening. Right? But it's not a physical existence in you. Certainly not. Like you're saying, you don't you feel the tree. I don't feel the tree now it. like in my head. No. Yeah. But the tree is there. Because I'm knowing it. So when I know something, I'm receiving that things form into me. Yes. My mind is formed with that. I conceive, mm-hmm. I give birth to that concept. Mm-hmm. I become that thing. You become that thing. Without ceasing to be myself. Yes. And without that thing becoming me. Because my mind see, yeah. my mind is is ready to receive the forms of all these things, whatever I look at and whatever I want to know. And when it does when it fixes on something as yeah. an object, the concept is then formed mm-hmm. and now it's actual there mm-hmm. so the mind is now in act yeah that thing becomes in you right yes but it still remains itself it's out there it remains itself yeah. it is it's real thing yeah but thanks to my mind it now has a new existence in my mind hmm. without changing yeah and that's why knowledge is to be the other as other right so it still remains other right so it's not like when you assimilate food and it becomes you um, or it becomes something else. It still <laughs> remains other. Knowing it is is becoming it, but without it changing. <laughs> changing. That's a, that's um, and here such we, a broad complex. How are we coming complex. up to the to this this mystery of knowledge? Just what an amazing thing it is if we just step back and think about it. And the I guess then the capacity of your of your knowledge. How broad that can go. The amount. How broad that can go. It's like the amount of things that can come to be in your mind is like inexhaustible you know um doesn't aristotle say something about that yeah the 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 soul is in a way all things 
that seems like such a crazy statement. Yeah. What does it, what does that mean though? He doesn't mean it obviously like in a pantheistic sense yeah. that you know we're all part of God together or we are all God, but or we're all energy or we're we're every, yeah, everything no, no. is everything. None of that. What he means is mm. is exactly this that mm. the soul is capable of knowing all the things yeah. around it. Yeah. Uh, that is not knowing like okay and I can understand every single aspect of everything like mm. I'm a genius I can know everything. No, mm. but it can receive the forms of all things. Wow. And so the soul is in a way all things because it is in potency to all of these forms. Yeah. I mean, you you and I can form a concept of the universe. Yeah. Okay, that means that my mind can travel from one side of the universe <laughs> to the other instantaneously. Yes. Okay? Because I've just formed a concept of it. The form of the universe now exists in ten, in its intentional existence in your mind. Yeah, because I have this idea of the of the whole universe. So my mind can take in all things. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. So I can in I give the all these things in the world in knowing them a new existence, a higher existence, an immaterial existence. Yeah. Which is what we mean by intentional existence. Because yeah. now the individual things existing in the world, when I know them, mm -hmm. I know them not individually but mm -hmm. universally. Mm -hmm. I know this tree over here as a tree. Yeah. Right. So I give so I raise the physical things around me to yeah. the higher immaterial level in knowing them. So the fact that we human beings can receive mm -hmm. other things and enter into contact with the world in, in a, a unique way. In an immaterial way. In an immaterial way that is so different and so much higher and like so much more beautiful and mm. amazing than mm. anything else we see out there tells us that man himself Something about is us. <laughs> beautiful, mysterious and amazing. And has right? an immaterial faculty that can receive the immateriality of things, right. receive the form of things. And can we can understand things universally, right? So when I when I um, understand or I see or I know the form of of a tree, I also understand um, from this tree, but also uh, maybe from my experience of other trees, I have a universal concept of tree. Now, like I remember when we spoke about um, um, when we spoke about Plato, there were, this was sort of Plato's idea of of his theory of forms or the theory of ideas. He would say, you know, like there's a triangle ness right that all the things um all triangle things have in common and that's triangleness that sort of universal concept that all trees have in common treeness that's a mm. universal concept so that's universals and now this we have this capability right of being able to know things universally and you said that earlier how that's almost that's distinct from the animals how they know things particularly but we can know things universally and this question this question of the nature of ideas. the nature of ideas and the nature of universals and how we know how we know things this is huge <laughs> in fact maybe i think he even says in the book that that like this the way you look at this question what is the nature of ideas what is the nature of ideas yeah like yeah what is the nature of this, ideas this this tells us about a person's philosophy that tells us what they think about mm man about politics about everything about the world about, about the, the, yeah. everything coming down to this thing like how what what do i think about ideas what is it, what are ideas well i think this like this investigation our, our journey into this like meditation if you will almost <laughs> on on knowledge yeah um 
opens up the solution to this problem of universals, you know, which you were, when you were referring to Plato there, yeah. like this problem, because the solution... What is the, what is the problem? Okay. Can, we, can we articulate the problem? Yeah. Where are our ideas? Yeah. And what is their connection to things out there? Yes, okay. So what is the nature of ideas? Ideas as universal. Forget about that term even. Okay. Yeah. Like, where are ideas and what is their connection to the real world? Mm. Okay. Like the idea of tree. Yeah. Okay. And or man or triangle. Any or idea that we have, any universal idea. Mm. Um, and Aristotle's doctrine of intentional existence yeah. is the solution to this problem. Okay. Okay. So when Aristotle says that we know things mm -hmm. by abstracting their form, by receiving their form into themselves, mm -hmm. and giving them thereby a new existence, but an existence that is different to the existence in the thing, mm -hmm. this solves the problem of universals of where our ideas are. Because it says that we know things mm -hmm. by, means of, by means of our ideas. Yeah. So the ideas we have of things are real in our minds, mm -hmm. but they are not outside in the world out there, like Plato thought. Yeah. So in other words, the concept of triangle, yeah. triangleness, mm -hmm. exists in my mind. Yeah. Because I understand triangleness by understanding a triangle, yeah. and my mind forms the concept of triangularity, yeah. and that's where this concept is. So the universal, ex it comes from the intentional existence of the forms. Correct. Um, the form but it of has its foundation in, in, things. in the things in themselves because so, the form actually is in the, th in the thing. So the universal exists in the mind mm -hmm. and has the foundation in things. in things. So when I see a triangle, I see its form and I give that form of triangle a new existence in my mind mm -hmm. called triangularity yeah. or triangleness. Yeah. And that new exist is a new existence because now it's universal. Yeah. And I indicate that by giving making it an abstract noun, mm. triangleness, triangularity. But that's as far as this triangularity exists. It exists in my mind, but it's not wholly disconnected mm. from the triangle, obviously, no. because I get the idea from, from that the triangle thing. there. Okay. Now I it is there's there's we said that the nature of ideas and the way we see ideas really kind of can determine our philosophy or our view on life. And I know at the end of this chapter, he does sort of an overview of the different ways of looking at ideas that um, also show us different kinds of philosophies that, that people have had. Can you give us, can you go through, can we go through that, the, those kind of different ways of understanding ideas and see why that changes our philosophy on on life, whether you, the universals, um, the problem of universals, where they exist, if they exist, where ex ideas exist, etc. So to the problem of universals, Aristotle and the classical realist tradition yeah. say that they exist in the mind and have a foundation in things. Okay. And this position is known as um, moderate realism. Realism, because universals are real in our minds, mm. but moderate because they extend only so far. Okay. And don't exist in the things they don't universally. They have the foundation in the thing, in right. in reality, but they don't. The universal doesn't exist in the thing. So let's give an example. Yeah. And we'll keep the example consistent through each of these different schools of yeah. thought. So the case of the triangle. 
Yeah. Moderate realism will say there are plenty of triangles in the world, mm. but there's no triangleness out there in the world. Yeah. But if I look at a pyramid, I can, knowing the pyramid, I can form the, the universal concept in my mind. Of triangle? Of triangle. And that is a real concept that really exists in my mind. So mm. where does triangleness exist? In my mind. In, my, in your mind. But through having a foundation in things which are triangles okay. or have triangular shapes. Okay. That's, That's m- moderate realism. Moderate realism. Yeah. Then you have uh, another school of thought, which we saw with Plato mm-hmm. in the other episode, which held that, no, although we live in the physical world and we see all these forms and shapes and stuff, these are only just shadows and copies of the true ideal forms. Mm. So like triangularity mm. and you know justice and mm. goodness and, and other shapes yeah. and animals and so on. And these forms, these universals, really exist. Mm. Not just in our mind, but out there in some ideal world. Mm. So like perceiving triangleness in a pyramid suggests to me that... Um, that the the and almost that the triangleness is the thing that doesn't change when I look at it in, in all its different kind of ways that it can come to me that that suggests to me that it exists by itself that the universal yeah. is outside of my mind it's somewhere in and of itself in some ideal world in some ideal state and form so Plato to explain this he says well that's it there's another world the reality is actually the world of these the, of the universals and this world of universals is the real reality yeah. this is the higher reality okay so a consequent and this position is known as um extreme uh realism so because of we're talking about universals here so they're saying universe or absolute uni- um, realism right absolute realism Be- yeah. because they they the universals exist absolutely like yeah. absolutely meaning not connected to anything else right so not in my mind not in the things, but they have their own reality. In and of themselves. In they, and of they themselves. They really exist, yeah. So that's your absolute realism. But what a consequence mm-hmm. of this position is a, is a dualism. Yeah. Right? In other words, we're positing that there are two realities or two worlds, and right? And you, you end up having almost to, to deny or give let, little value to the world around us. To the physical world. To the physical world. Right. So oh, yeah, because all the, all the universes are... The, the they're in the they're in the perfect idea. That's the perfect and ideal mm, world, which is immaterial. World. Which is the immaterial world. So you you necessarily come up to a dualism. Mm. You have to say there's a spirit world and a physical mm. world. The spiritual world is the is the higher and the better mm-hmm. one. Yeah, and then that dualism it carries over even into the view of man, right? Um, that that seeing man as no, the spiritual quality of man is the only thing that's that's important. He's kind of imprisoned in the the body. He has to like. Be freed. We be have to be freed, freed from, from from the body from yeah. from this world. Everything that's we perceive in this world is 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 lesser or lower or bad. So that's a consequence of the of the absolute realism. Mm. Yeah, uh, and maybe it helps at this point to say, uh, just as a quick reminder to our to our listeners, you know, remember in the in the episode on Plato when we were speaking about universals, right? It's just having having that problem present. It's like, okay, where is whiteness? Right or where is squareness or triangularity or manness or treeness? Where do these things exist? And so we see the 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 um, we had the first school, which is the the moderate realists like Aristotle and Saint Thomas. They say no, universals exist in my mind, but they have their foundation in the in the things. The second school, which is absolute realists, they say no, these this, 
because they're so apparent to us, the, the universals, they have to have their own kind of existence, separate from the things themselves and from myself. Then we start getting into some more interesting and later ideas um, about universals. Um, so the next one is uh, conceptualism or and idealism. Like what did they say about about the universal concepts of things? Where do they exist? Well, they just say, well, actually... The reason the reason we, uh, uh, we we think of universals is not because they're out there or they're in our mind or anything like that, but simply because we have to think that way. Okay. Because our mind is structured in such a way that we can only think in terms of universals. Okay. So, like universals are almost the 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 mind eyes through which we see the world. The, the mind right? eyes through which we see the world, right? So it's kind of like the mold or the cast into which all of our ideas are poured. So the difference between that and moderate realism is it's saying that they don't have, the universal doesn't have a foundation in reality. It's only universal because that's how my mind perceives it. This is the way my mind is structured, whether I like it or not. Yeah, there's no, and like, I have to think like this. There's no yeah. shared nature of treeness out there. Treeness is just something that purely exists in my mind. Or the or or maybe the very notion that an, a concept could be universal is a, a necessary structure of my thought. Structure of my thought. Does the why it's like that? But I don't know. But <laughs> that's just the way it is. Does it help to like, for example, um, different colored glasses? Like, um, like if you see through a certain lens, um, yeah, you see things in, according to a certain color, right? That the the conceptualists will say that we, we our mind perceives through the lens of universals. And so that's why we perceive things as universals. Not because they are, um, but because that's necessarily how our mind is structured. I think that's a really great way of thinking about it. <laughs> it's really weird to, to think about. But yeah, I mean, for them, they say that, you know, there's actually no way to know the world around us actually. We can we can't really know things in themselves mm. because all that we all, what's happening in our in this act of knowing is that we're receiving all this information through our senses yeah. but from what we have no idea. Yeah. But this information gets processed and sorted and structured according to the software in our mind okay. that's preloaded. Yeah. It's like when you buy like a phone, you know, do you want Android or iPhone? You can't change the, the OS, you know, yeah. that's it. Well, our minds are kind of like that, you know, you've got Android loaded on and mm. that's the way it is. And so you process all this information and you sort it into these concepts, these universals. But, Brilliant. But so the, the, they're saying that the software is, that's what the universals are. Yeah. Are the categories or the molds or the, the yeah. things through which, the software through which those sense perceptions come and then they form the ideas in our mind form the ideas in our mind yeah so uh so you you can't answer the question where are universals or what are they because we don't even know things out there we don't even know what they are okay that's fascinating um uh i know we can't explain his thought right now but this is basically what um emmanuel kant taught right yeah a great and really important philosopher who lived in the in the in the 18th century that um who yeah, kind of initiated a whole revolution in philosophy yeah. in a period that was known as the Enlightenment. Yeah. But I think we will, let's discuss him a little bit more when we speak about the different kinds of knowing. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But okay. This, was, this was his uh, position and he was the first guy in history to, to propose this. And he kind of set off a revolution because he's, he, he said, well, what if up to now we've mm. got the whole problem and question of knowledge backwards? Because up to now, everybody has supposed that 
truth mm-hmm. is the conformity of one's mind with reality. Yeah. In other words, when what is in my mind is the same thing as what is in reality, yeah. well, then I have the truth. It, conform, it, gets it conforms, to, conforms yeah. to what's out there. Yeah. Yeah. So in other words, the, the priority is on the reality. Yes. And it's up to me to conform my mind to that. And when that happens, then I can say, I have the truth. Yeah. And Kant says, what if we've got that backwards? What if it's in fact the other way around? Mm-hmm. That truth is the conformity of reality to my mind. Because my mind is cast and set in such a way that this is the only way that I can perceive things. Right? Amazing. So, so it's not the reality so it's not the reality that is prior. Mm. It's your mind it's and the structures of prior. your mind. So and knowing it is is your is reality conforming to your mind. Right. Because my mind is has these certain structures mm. or molds of thought what he what he called categories. Yeah. And so what I know what I know is already after those structures. Right. Right? So it's what I know my ideas. I don't know the reality. So the reality comes through my senses and then through these categories, which are the universals, and then into my mind and, I, and forms an idea. And I know what I know is the idea. But the link between what I know and the actual thing out there in reality is there's no way of knowing the actual yeah. the connection. Would say that it's, it's pointless to inquire what things are really like outside of us because this perception we have of the world and even our knowledge, mm-hmm. like all this, everything that we know is is the result of our mind imposing its cat its preloaded hardwired categories yes. onto this flow of sensory information which which is coming that's right? so, so interesting so it's our minds are making sense right out of all this information yeah. we're receiving but not because the the the, the sensory information is really mm. information that has content, but mm. the content is being given by our mind. Given by your mind. That's yeah. and that's the difference between from moderate real, um, um, moderate realism is it said it's that the content, the universal, is given by your mind. It has it doesn't have a foundation in the thing because right. we have no kind of conceptual contact with the thing. Whereas moderate realism says it's one and the same form that exists in the thing and in the mind, except in the thing individually. And in the mind, universally. In the thing, um, uh, I want to say in the mind, intentionally, in the thing. Physically? Physically. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. And then the, the next sort of step there from conceptualism and from these is the followers of Kant said that, well, the, if I, what I know is not f- founded in reality, but through the, through the, the software that my mind knows and what I know is actually the idea, then they went a step for, further and they said, no, the only thing that exists is my is the idea yeah. correct? Then discard all the sensory information, what Kant called the the, the noumenon. Yeah, right? and w- let's just focus on what we what is inside our mind. This is what is only real. The idea, and that's the why they called idealists. Idealists. Yeah. Idealists. Okay, fascinating. Then there's one more category. Look, we're obviously just doing little brushstrokes of these of these thoughts, but it gives us an idea of well, how have different thought, people thought about universals, and why is the first category? Um, the the most convincing we'll, we'll hmm. maybe end with that um but there's then there's one more there's one more um f- uh, philosophical system to to look at universals and this is the a view that says well this whole notion of universals and concepts is actually nonsense because all we really know are individual sense impressions and images hmm. 
right? And this is called nominalism. So universals are just names, puffs of air, wisps of smoke. They're just names we give to things. But there's no real concept of treeness or Mm. triangularity or animalness or justice and things like that. Just a name we give to to various um, sense impressions that we have and images in our mind. So when I say that is a triangle or that is a tree, I'm just, those are just, um, the only thing that's real there is the fact that I've given it a name. Right. The universal, the universal, the concept of treeness or triangleness doesn't exist. It doesn't exist in the thing. It has no foundation in the thing. It doesn't exist in my mind as like a universal. It doesn't exist in its own world, but it's, it's just a, um, Oh, just like a sign, a placeholder. Yeah, that we use out of convention. Convention. So it's yeah. a conventional um, t- title or <laughs> for conversation, but it doesn't actually describe anything in, in reality. There's no reality or nature there, which is being signified by the name. It's just something that we give for ease of communication. It's a label. It's a label. Yeah, but it doesn't describe anything about reality. <laughs> wow nominalism. yeah well that's so that's nominalism and that's a big kind of brushstroke of these different ways of seeing the world all right so to to conclude this this um this it, it really is it's really important chapter you know and we've just done these brushstrokes of these different ways of seeing this world the world and and huge philosophers and different philosophies and i know there's a really helpful kind of summary at the end of this chapter which which we can just um read out but before that, maybe, obviously, we're going to go into this as we go through the podcast because because we believe that moderate realism, that is to say that that um, the universal exists, it really exists in your mind and it has true foundation in, in the reality itself, that we actually know the reality, that we believe that this is the most convincing and, in fact, the most true position. Not just, oh, there's different ways of seeing it. No, but that we think this actually reflects reality as it is. And I think just broadly, I mean, we could go through each of them and each of their problems, et cetera, et cetera. But I think for me, um, just on a kind of broad way, it would be because that moderate realism, it gives the most explanation to our common experience. I think that the fact, as soon as we start trying to disconnect from our knowledge of the world, it becomes really, it becomes really tricky. Whereas moderate realism, it manages to hold our experience of knowing of knowing universals as something real and of having real contact with the things themselves. And I think the others don't manage to do that all at the same time. And that's why I believe that the Aristotelian and the classical realist and the moderate realism approach to what ideas are and universals are is the most encompassing of our um, experience and for that reason, the most convincing as being a proper um, reflection of reality. Yeah, I'd have to say that I agree with that 100%. If you look at all the other positions, like idealism or conceptualism, mm. um, they all hold to one extreme. Yes. Um, and p- they're partly true. Mm. They're partially right. Mm. right. But they hold to the extreme and exclude the other one. Yeah. And that's the problem. So idealism holds to the truth that there are universals and that they're real. Yeah. But it... It holds to it so strongly that it excludes the the fact that, well, there's also a real physical world out there, yes. right? And so it's to the detriment of our physical world. And we see the consequences, you know, it leads to the detriment of man and a yeah. like a, you know, a, a lack of appreciation mm. of his body and the material world. And the same can be said for idealism and conceptualism. Yeah, yeah. nominalism. Um, like it says something true about the label, but it, to the extent that it 
forgets a, another truth. Another truth. Whereas modern realism, as you said so well, is the only one that is able to hold mm. all these truths together yeah. and encompass them. Yeah. Right? And explain our mm. common sense in a satisfactory way. Yeah. And I think we saw that in our first few episodes as we were showing how if you if you hold too much to one way of knowing, um, you end up in in like the Heraclitus camp or another way of knowing, you'll end up in the Parmenides camp. And we showed how Aristotle, who's really the, the, the champion of, of this moderate realism, managed to bring them together. And that this way of seeing ideas and the universals continues to be the way of seeing that explains the most of our experience and the most of our common knowledge in the most, um, uh, let's say, encompassing way. Mm. Okay. The most holistic, holistic you say? yeah. And that's why it's such a satisfying um, philosophy because it it's speaking it encompasses reality and common experience, um, and that's why it helps us to it engages us in that 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 mission of the philosopher who wants to wonder at things, right? It's hard to wonder at things when you stop thinking they exist. <laughs> Where, yeah, whereas that's it, hard, yeah. yeah. Or you think that there's no actual, there's nothing bigger than than the thing than the sum of its parts or the thing itself. Whereas if you bring all these together, then you then you do come to this kind of state of of wonder and contemplation, which is so human and fulfilling. Okay, will you will you read those those last few points of the chapter that I think summarize um, the, the some of the concepts that we've gone through um, in this episode? Sure. Um, so it just says, yeah, here's the summary. Yeah, knowing implies the following truths. First, there is some kind of communication between the knower and the thing known, right? Second, things communicate in accordance with their nature because what is received is received in the mode of the receiver. Third, change in material beings always means a new physical determination. Hmm. So water comes from the hydrogen and oxygen fusing. So Mm. there's a new physical determination. Four, the change of knowing is an immaterial change because in the act of knowing, the thing I know does not change. It remains what it is. But when I know, uh, sorry, but when I, um, let's say, uh, eat a cheeseburger, the cheeseburger ceases to be. But when I know it, it doesn't. Five, sensible forms are received immaterially. But under the conditions of matter, sense knowledge is therefore always individual in its mode. So while animals can know things through their senses, and we said that this was superior to physical changes, still their knowledge is in the conditions of matter because everything that is sense is sensed through the sense organ. So the sensation is individual. Number six, intelligible forms are received immaterially and apart from the conditions of matter since there is no matter in the intellect intellectual knowledge is therefore always universal in its mode so the soul is open to all things and can receive all forms even the very form of the the universe itself Mm. and this is a sign that it sits above all material things and is immaterial in nature because of the immateriality of knowledge and it's universal in nature. And it's universal in nature. Because it's not it's not connected to the material, individual instance of that thing. So whenever we see particular, we think matter. Mm. And since our knowledge is always universal, 
Mm. Right? This is a sign that our mind must be immaterial, without, apart from matter, have no matter in it, since we know universally. Wow. And, and this is distinct from animal sense knowledge, which is always particular and individual. Number seven, the knower becomes the thing known, taking in the form according to the conditions proper to existence in sense power or intellect. The knower becomes the thing known, this most beautiful and intimate form of communication mm. and relation. Right. So to know is to receive the form of the other, mm. to be the other as other. As other. And finally, the form of the thing known is universal in the intellect, but individual in the object. This position is known as moderate realism. The opposed positions are absolute realism, conceptualism, and nominalism. Wow, that's a fantastic summary to a fantastic conversation. Um, thanks so much for this conversation. It's been a wild ride. Um, and yeah, I hope maybe our listeners can can listen over those last few few um, that summary because I think it, it gives it really nicely after that after our long conversation and then next episode we're gonna we're gonna start looking at um, the different kinds of knowing that the, that the human person has and the, and the, the you know, not just the fact that we can know but the different kinds of, of knowing which is also a really interesting and a really helpful topic so um, until next time take it have a great week and um god bless you all cheers bye